Welcome to Alyssa's Well, a place to find deep healing, solace, and wisdom. This is Alyssa Spellsong. I am a third-degree Wiccan High Priestess and an energy healer. Let us journey together on the sacred path of wisdom and healing. So today I'd like to talk to everyone about the new year. We're about two weeks in. So maybe you've had a chance to decide what your New Year's resolution is going to be. Maybe you've experienced a little success with steps taken towards that resolution. Maybe you've had a couple of breakdowns and stopped and started over. Maybe you've already given up completely. But I wanted to remind everyone that it's the first week in January. It's the beginning of winter. It's a little more than 60 days from the beginning of the pagan new year. And it's only 28 days to invoke and 135 days till spring equinox, the point at which the sun will finally begin to conquer the darkness and the days will finally get longer than the nights. Today, there is only seven or eight minutes more light than there was at the solstice, only. So what's all the hubbub about? What's all this rush to make a New Year's resolution? I'm going to speak about the dark time of the year. And I'm going to talk about that from a perspective of paganism and also a little bit of perspective from the Christian point of view. I'm also going to speak about the wheel of the year and the Gregorian 12-month calendar. The new pagan New Year was little more than 60 days ago at Samhain, what some would call Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, the Day of the Dead. Why do pagans celebrate the new year at Samhain? Because that is the time that the growing season and the harvesting season is at an end. All the crops have been harvested and the larger animals, the animals that are required for food for the winter, They would be slaughtered at this time. The meat would be stored or dried to sustain the family through the lean winter months. The Celts would build two large fires for the animals to pass through. And they would lead the animals through the fires to be blessed and then on to be slaughtered so that that meat could provide sustenance for families during the winter. The time of Samhain, the end of harvest, is the time when the sun is falling quickly from the sky and the nights are growing longer and colder. So why is this the beginning of the year? It doesn't sound like much of a reason to celebrate. The new year begins as the old year ends. In ancient cultures lived by the cycles of the sun, by the seasons of planting, harvesting, and then resting. Secondly, because all creation comes from the darkness, the place of beginnings, the womb, the void, the nothingness. The seed lies dormant in the dark soil of the earth until it is warmed by the sunlight in the spring and begins to grow. The child comes from a place of comfort, warmth, and darkness of the womb and is born into the light. Many animals hibernate during this time and others reduce their activity level, conserving energy leaving the safety of their sleeping area only to get food. Many other creatures migrate by the foot or wing to a warmer location. 
to quote the first book of the Jewish Quran, the Old Testament of the Christian Bible. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So what does that mean? It means that God began his creation from a place of darkness where he contemplated what he wanted to do. He started with darkness and void. And then he brought forth an idea, an inspiration from that darkness, from the recesses of his mind. And from there, he brought light and separated the darkness from the light. And then after there was light to work with, he began to create everything else after there was light. All cultures around the world have a creation story and all cultures have stories and myths about the power of the seasons. In Celtic mythology, there's one particular story. There is a place of ice and snow, the place of perpetual winter called the Bera and there lives the Kaluk, the ancient witch of winter. She has the teeth of a wild boar. She's one-eyed, but she sees all. She sees into the depths of our souls, and she is also a shapeshifter. Legend says that in the fall, she grows to an enormous height, becoming a giantess. And she leaps from peak to peak, from meadow to meadow, wielding her magical white rod and blasting the vegetation with cold and frost. It sounds kind of frightful. At the break of spring, she throws her white rod upon the ground by the shoreline of the Bera, and she turns into a huge rock, an oddly shaped stone. There she waits for the ebb of the tide flowing into the fall equinox, the time of Samhain, to reach the base of the stone and bring her back to life once again, so that she can bring forth the cold, harsh winter of her greatest delight. And thus, the new year, once again, begins in the darkness. From John 1 of the New Testament of the Christians. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I've said this many times to people that know me, that that is one of the most profound statements written in any text, be it a spiritual text or else. To think the fact that the word is God, originated from God, that the word brings forth everything is really a profound thought. So going on with John 1, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and that light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So the power of creation is in the word, in the act of thought and creativity 
propelled by that word. This is a profound statement. In early Norse cultures, there is a word called othur, which is a force that causes people to create or perform any type of art, to pronounce a prophecy, to enter an ecstatic trance as in shamanism, to produce scholarly works, to enter into the battlefield in a frenzy, which is the hallmark of Odin's elite warriors, the berserkers, or to become possessed with any desire to create or act, Othur. The words come from a place of deep contemplation and power, from the void and stillness of darkness, from the mind of God. And as that thought is breathed into the spoken word, the world is created. The works of art and passion are created and imagined emerging from the darkness and into the light. So this creation happens whether you are Christian or whether you are pagan, and it happens from the darkness. We're not talking about a small flame of a candle. We're not talking about one second of additional light that you experienced at the equinox, at the solstice, excuse me. We're talking about a lot more light than that, both literally speaking and here on earth as in the change of a season from winter to spring, as the days grow longer, and spiritually, as in the knowledge and energy of light that is God, that is the womb of the goddess, the flaming sword and the torches of the gods of fire and light. So out of that darkness and void comes inspiration and then light, comes the word and then light, an opportunity to create and begin anew. You might also notice that God does not make the darkness wrong. He does not banish it and close the earth in perpetual light. He leaves the darkness to place, to bring balance. The eternal dance between day and night, between the rule of the sun and the rule of the moon. God knew that there was a place and a use for that darkness. The goddess Demeter, eventually agrees to send her daughter Persephone down into the underworld during the dark time so that the land can be at rest. And Hades agrees as well, eventually, after much conversation and much debate, to allow his bride Persephone to return to the earth above so that she can once again bless the land with abundant growth and the potential of spring. In paganism, we honor and we celebrate both the dark time of the year and the light time of the year. We call the sun gods and the earth goddesses for strength during the growing season. And we call to the gods of the underworld and the shadow and the wise crone goddess to commune with our ancestors, to heal, to release, to unburden ourselves from our sorrows during the dark times. So now that we understand a little bit about the darkness, and the fact that everything originates from the darkness. Let's go back to the concept of the new year. What do pagans do with the new year? Which again is the end of October. We give thanks for all the good things that went before. We give thanks for that abundant harvest, for all of the things that we worked so hard to bring into creation during that year. We honor our beloved dead. We do ritual to seek insight into the coming year. We release old patterns, people, belongings that no longer serve us. And then we rest. Yes, we rest. We dig deep into our souls and we do 
releasing, healing, contemplative work. It is the dark time of the year, the time of void, the time of womb and cave. We rest. Some pagans view the solstice as the new year because the sun god has been newly reborn on that day. But again, I will say the same thing. At the time of the solstice, there is one second more light in that day than there was the day before. I don't know about you, but I can't get much done with one second. We commune together. We drum up the sun. We cry out in ecstasy of the newborn sun god as he emerges from the womb. We see that beautiful sight of the sun and the rays coming up over the mountains as we drum and cry out in joy. But he is still a baby. He is still suckled and nurtured by the goddess. He is but a small light upon that horizon. The light of the solstice is not yet bright enough to light our way. It's not yet warm enough to sow seeds for the future harvest and it is still winter. It is still the dark time of the year. Here's another way to think about this. It's about balance. We bring balance into our lives, trying to balance the light and the dark for humans as human doings. We try to balance the time of work with the time of rest. Without that balance, sickness and dysfunction follows. So let's take a look at our modern observances during the dark times, during that time of rest, during the time between Halloween and New Year's Eve on January 1st of the Gregorian calendar. It's absolute stress and chaos for many people. Everyone running around from one party to the next, decorating for Halloween, buy the candy for the trick-or-treaters in September, mind you, because it's gonna be gone if you don't get it in September. And then you're gonna be left with those little hard round fruit candies and nobody really wants that. They want chocolate, okay? Get, make your costume, eat all the candy, all of the candy. Who's going to Thanksgiving dinner? Oh my God, please not aunt. Fill in the blank. Can we afford to or get to have an organic turkey this year? You know they say organic is better. I hate turkey. Why can't we have ham? Tie the dried corn stalks around the front porch and throw out all the fall colored garland around the front door. Oh my God, I don't have the right colored candles for the table setting. Eat all the food, all the food. Turkey coma. It's Black Friday. My, pre my Christmas present list is not completed. Go, go. The 64-inch screen is only going to be on sale between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. Go! Get out the house. Put your clothes on in the car. Go! Decorate the house again. There's still fall garland spilling out of the box in the basement. The lights aren't working. The lights aren't working. Go shopping. Go shopping. Go shopping. Wrap presents. Eat too much food. Loads of candy. More chocolate. Which cookies should I make for the neighborhood cookie exchange this year? Thank God that we can take the tree down tomorrow. It takes up so much room. Pack away the tree decorations, the Santas, the elves, the garland, throw out a box full of wrapping paper and bows. Who's coming to New Year's Eve party? What football team is playing this year? What are their colors? Did you get the chips? What? The sour cream is molded to the pinwheels. There's no pinwheels. And from here, you start New Year's. From this place of utter chaos and exhaustion, I'm exhausted just talking about it, you try to bring into manifestation a new reality a new job, a new gym membership, a new whatever. Really? Seriously. In case you forgot, 
it's still the dark time of the year. Have you rested? Have you done anything to renew and replenish yourself? Have you received your success and failures from the year before? Did you review that? Did you look at what worked, what didn't work? Have you planned? Have you thought about the first steps needed to fulfill this bright new shiny new year? Have you brought yourself to a place of understanding and balance? So let's talk a little bit about the origins of this auspicious date, January 1st. The Roman calendar originally began in March to honor the God of war, Mars. The months of January and February were added later after one of the mini calendar reforms. The rest of the months were named after various titles of the Roman emperor. And when he ran out of titles, September, October, November, and December were simply named after Roman numerals, seven, eight, nine, and 10. There were originally only 10 months in the Roman year. And then came Julius Caesar, calendar reform in 46 BC. He instituted January 1st as the first of the year to honor the god Janus, who looks both behind and in front. Now, certainly if one is going to be successful in defeating one's enemy in battle, you need good hindsight and good foresight. So it makes sense that the Romans would want to put him at the head of the line on January 1st. In designing his new calendar, Caesar enlisted the aid of Sausagens, an Alexandrian astronomer who advised him to do away with the lunar cycle entirely and just follow the solar year, as did the Egyptians. The year was calculated to be 365 and one quarter days. And then Caesar added 67 days to the year 46 BC in order to make 45 BC begin on January 1st rather than in March. Can you imagine somebody just says, we're just gonna add 67 days to the year and we're just gonna start on this date. I, I can't imagine the pandemonium. <laughs> During the Middle Ages, Many European countries celebrated the new year on different dates. December 25th, the day of the celebration of Jesus's birth, and sometimes on March 25th for the Feast of the Annunciation, which celebrates the Virgin Mary. These shifting new year dates continued until 1752 when Pope Gregory made the current calendar law and switched it back once and for all to begin on January 1st. I don't know how many days were once again knocked off the calendar to make that happen or added to the calendar to make that happen. And we could go on into the completely confusing date switch from the Jewish calendar to the Gregorian calendar where the thousands of years tallied by the Jews were simply struck away and we started over at zero at the birth of Christ, which again is a supposed date. We don't really know the exact date of that. Some astronomers and historians believe that the beginning point of the new Gregorian calendar at zero could be off by anywhere from three to six years, give or take. So 2021 might really be 2027 or 2015. And so what does that mean about the Mayan calendar in 2012? There was a big hoopla all about 2012. Did that really happen? Did anything really happen? Maybe it hasn't happened yet because maybe 2012 on the Mayan calendar doesn't really have anything to do with 2012 on the Gregorian calendar or the Jewish calendar. 
or whoever kept the calendar before that. And then the Jewish calendar, it is now the year 5781. But I don't know enough about that to know how or when that started or when they started counting. And the Chinese calendar is lunisolar, taking into account the lunar cycles along, <clears throat> excuse me, with the solar cycles. And that's another whole conversation about the year 2021. It is the year of the ox coming up on February 12th, Chinese New Year. So now you know a little more about January 1st. And here's one last fact. The word month itself is related to the moon. It originally measured how long it took for the moon to complete a cycle around the earth. So moon and month come from the same root. And if you simply follow the 13 moons around the seasons, all the days will work out perfectly, but let's not talk about that. Consider why we celebrate the various seasonal Sabbaths around the wheel of the year. As pagans, we celebrate the 1st of February with a Sabbath called Imvolk, which means use milk. During early February, the lambs began producing milk because their babies are about to be born. Not in January, in February. Now, if we see the first signs of spring, the first early flowers pushing up from the ground, peeking through mulch and snow, that is the time to think about what you will plant for the coming fertile cycle. We haven't yet reached equal day and night, but we have enough light to begin to move our bones, to begin to look out into the coming year and to make our plans. We have spent some time contemplating, reviewing what worked, what didn't work thinking about changes that we might need to make in the coming cycle. At Imbolc, we peek out from under the blankets, we light our candles, make our plans, check the seed catalog, begin organizing, start a diet, quit smoking, make new promises, set new intentions in February, not January. In February, as the wheel turns its first quarter, a new season begins. So for many who woke up bleary-eyed and exhausted on New Year's Day and immediately tried to jump into your new routine, your new lifestyle, your new diet, whatever that New Year's resolution was, it may come as a shock. It seems an impossibility. Maybe you were successful for a few days, but statistics show that most New Year's resolutions fail. And I hope now you have an idea of why that might be. So how does the wheel of the year guide you? through the seasons, through your own process of rest, inspiration, action, flow, and finally manifestation. We observe eight Sabbaths throughout the year, honoring the cycles of the sun, which bring forth the harvest, the cycle of life and death and rebirth. We observe 13 moons in a year, honoring the cycles of the moon and the divine feminine. As pagans, we follow these cycles of the wheel in order to balance our mundane lives with our spiritual lives and the cycles of the earth. If we work with the natural cycles, we can use energies that are around us in nature to propel our efforts regardless of some chosen, adjusted, discarded, recalculated date on a calendar. So next holiday season, you might consider thinking about why you celebrate the way you do and how much of that actually brings you joy and peace and contentment. How much of that brings balance into your life? 
So go ahead and celebrate. Go ahead and decorate for Halloween if that brings you joy. How much time and effort are you going to spend on that activity and why? How much money and resources that might need to be held over for the winter are you going to expend on that activity? Have your Thanksgiving dinner and your Christmas Yule tree and a big party for New Year's Eve on January 1st if you want, if that's your tradition. There's a lot of value in honoring traditions. But again, the same question, how much time and effort and money and resources will you dedicate to these events? Maybe next year, you only invite those who are harmonious to your household for those meals. Maybe next year, you decorate a little bit less. Maybe next year, you only spend one or two days decorating instead of five or seven days decorating. Challenges to find balance in the chaos. Enjoy the sparkling Christmas lights while remembering that it's still the dark time of the year. And maybe you don't really need 20,000 lights. Maybe it's okay to not participate in the community light display contest. Go shopping, but buy less, and then come home and relax. Make some time for family activity or personal ritual during the evening. Travel and visit your family, Make sure you have time to meditate in the morning before you open the door and head downstairs to greet the in-laws. And after a busy day at work or running errands, maybe a trip to the dentist, leave some time to appreciate the stillness of the winter's night, to stare out the window in a dimly lit room with no TV blaring in the background and just witness the silent darkness. Breathe in the stillness. There is still time to do that. Between January and February, spend some additional time in prayer or meditation. Make some room in your schedule for quiet family activity. An evening dedicated to reading or playing a board game. Take some time to contemplate, not plan, contemplate what you might want to accomplish in the coming year. It's still the dark time of the year seven or eight more minutes than there was on December 21st. Listen to the still, quiet voices of your guides. Make offerings to the gods. Pray for clarity of mind and good health. Light a small fire in your cauldron or light a candle and release all that does not serve you into the flame. Rest for a bit longer. There will be plenty of time to make plans in February. And hopefully when you do, You'll be rested and more balanced and more peaceful and have a much greater success in the accomplishment of those new resolutions. So I hope you enjoyed this little talk about New Year's and about the seasons. And I hope maybe you'll consider some of my words in your planning for next year. I wish you all the best in the coming year. May everything that you are working on and dreaming of come to fruition, one step at a time. Bye for now, we'll talk later. Many blessings. Thank you for joining me on this journey. This is a free offering of my life's work and your support really does make a difference. To make a donation, please see the show notes for my Patreon link to become a subscriber or make a donation through PayPal using my email 
willissaspellsong at gmail.com. You can also email me at that same email address, willissaspellsong at gmail.com. To schedule an appointment with me, either in person or virtually, you can call me at 720-732-5798. And please do visit my website, willissaswell.com, for more information on my services. Thank you, and have a beautiful day.